Hey listeners, I have another great episode for you. Uh, Just a heads up, this episode does have some content your children may not have heard before, so you may want to give it a listen before you share it with them. And uh, thanks for listening. Welcome back, Cole Homers. I'm Laura, and I've got another downtown lady with me tonight. But before I introduce her, I want to remind y'all that I am still soliciting your short voice messages for my final episode of the season, sharing how the podcast has impacted you. I know it has because y'all tell me all the time, and I want to share that encouragement with others as we wrap up the first season. And would you please consider putting it on your to-do list and sending one to me? It can be pre-written or spontaneous just like someone was asking you on the street. Now back to my guest, the wonderful Cheyenne Nicholson. Welcome, Cheyenne. How are you this evening? Hey, girl. <laughs> um, I am good. <laughs> I'm good. I'm ready. I'm excited. I'm nervous. You got your tea. I have my tea. Okay. So, <laughs> All right. I'm just going to throw the ball into your court. Do you remember how we met? Um, so I don't remember exactly like how we met. Yeah, I don't know how we met, met, but I remember like seeing you around. I've been at Remnant for nine years now. So okay. I know at some point I saw you around more and then you went away and I assumed you just went to Midtown with everyone else who went away. <laughs> um, but I remember just thinking that, I don't know, I always like remembered you by your clothes. They were very oh, like artsy. Um, and then I remember like the first time you invited me into your home. I think that was the first time I had like a a conversation with you. Okay, um, when was that? This was back in probably around 2020. It was when I was either beginning to homeschool or in the middle of it. I don't remember exactly what was going on. I, I know that it was new to me, yeah. um, but we were discussing a book. Please don't ask me the title of the book. <laughs> um, and I came late and I remember you being like so happy that I was like there and I was just like oh okay cool I was um <laughs> and then I remember sharing at some point in the discussion and afterwards a lot of other ladies were just I don't know thanking me for providing my insight and such and I was just like oh my response to stuff like that is always like oh, I just showed up mm-hmm. I don't know and then I started to come back to your house for like other small events and some large events and I don't know, I've always enjoyed your home. So I told myself that anytime you invited me to an event at your home, I was going to try to come. I remember that first time and I was genuinely really happy that you would come. I didn't know if you would want to. So I was always glad to have someone receive an invitation and, and show up. Yeah, I remember we did many book clubs together. Supper of the Lamb was one. That was fun. Um we met at parks and then we would read the Bible together super yes. early in the morning Yep, <laughs> for a while. Yeah. Praise God. Ooh, the um, mornings. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Before that, I didn't really remember knowing you, but I would hear about you through Ashley Clapp because she's such a good friend of mine. And oh, yeah. <laughs> she's a good friend of yours, too. Yeah. I love Ashley a lot. Like a lot. But, all right. Well, some things I wanted to share about you, Cheyenne, are that you are known to be faithful and committed to your church community. Those who know and love you share that you are obedient to Jesus, even when no one else is watching, and the fruit of your trust in him makes those watching eager to see what else God has in store for you. And you're honest and encouraging, you're adventurous and brave, 
and you will do whatever you can to help a friend in need. And those were things shared with me. So are you ready to tell your story? I guess. You're making me cry all early. <laughs> I said I was going to wait to maybe cry later. I'm a crier. No one knows that unless you know that. But I'm a crier. Well, I got huge paragraphs about you when I asked some friends of yours to share uh, just things that they love about you. And I had to edit it down. <laughs> Anyways. All right. Where did you grow up? Um, so I'm from Philly. I grew up in Philly, specifically North Philly. Okay. And um, I moved to Northeast Philly when I was around 14. Are you by like the statue? Oh, no, no. Um, but I hung out around the statue a lot. It's interesting. So although I've lived in Philly for all of my like childhood life, I've never like viewed the city as a tourist. Okay. And so all the places that people mention like um like where the bell is housed i'm like oh yeah i go there all the time they have like this really cool place that makes good uh beef gyoza that i should like go to after school but i never thought about all the historical stuff there it's just home to you yeah yeah all right north philly and then you said east northeast northeast okay so do you go back there i travel back there a lot throughout the year it used to be way more like when i first moved down here but I don't know. I feel like it's not as cool anymore to say like, oh, I'm from Philly because (laughs) I've been down here for so long. Even with my son, like he was born in Philly. We Mm. moved down here when he was two. It's just like he talks like Virginians and it's just like I might as well just let it go. Um, But I do go home and visit a lot. Most of my friends have moved out of Philly. My best friend, she still is in Philly. She left for about a year and she recently like went back and she plans on leaving again in about a year. And all my siblings and my parents and my family is in Philly. So Caleb and I are the only ones here. Okay. How long does it take you normally? My aunt lives just outside of Philly and it is such a long drive. <laughs> I feel um, like. So I am a night rider. Like I only drive at night Smart. and like the dead of the night too. So it only takes me about three and a half hours to oh, get yeah. back. Um, <laughs> that is smart. I don't know when we leave, but it sometimes it can take like six, seven hours to get home from Philly to here. Anyway. Okay. So you got family. How big is your family? Um, well, let me see. I have my mom and my dad and I have four siblings. And so I'm the oldest of five. And my father was one of five. All of them live in Philly. Actually, his brother just moved to Richmond. He doesn't live far from me, actually. Okay. Um, yeah, but they're all up there. And my cousins, like from like that part, they're all like up there. I have a few of them that live in North Carolina. And I see them whenever I travel south. Um, but I know my grandfather On my father's side, he moved to Philadelphia when he was probably around like 17. Okay. And and he moved from Virginia, I think. And then my grandmother was from Maryland. I feel like I'm messing this all the way up. My memory (laughs) is terrible, but they met and I'm here. Yeah. (laughs) So does Caleb have a lot of cousins that he's close to? So no, um, my father was actually the youngest of, of the five children. And so... We were all born later than like everyone else. So the only cousin that my son has around his age is my cousin's son. And even so, they have like a three-year difference between them. 
you know, they're they're cool now, but I wouldn't say close. Mm-hmm. They would be close if we were closer, probably. Mm-hmm. All right. So as the oldest, how would you describe yourself or how would your family members describe you as a kid? Oh, as a kid. Yep. Okay. Well, when I was born, I was born first. And I don't know, I've always like felt a lot of pride in that. Um, talk about like birthright. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, my parents, they really, they really adored me. Um, they adored like having me. My mom, she said that she was very lonely and so she was happy to have me. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time, my father, he was battling some addictions. And so I know that they were newly married and it was just nice for, she, she said she prayed for me. Mm-hmm. And so when I came, I was like a light like to their life. And um, my father wanted to, you know, be better for like me, for us, our family. And so um, he ended up like getting off of his drugs and such. And my mom, I don't know, she just kept having more kids. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So I don't know, things were great. And then like they decided to have more kids. And so if that gives you any insight on what Mm. my siblings think about me, it's it's that. Um, (laughs) My sister right beneath me, I was not kind to her. Mm. Um, I was just like, why are you here? Why are you in my room? Why are you trying to take my parents? Like things How like that. How far apart are you? Um, we are two years apart. Okay. And then I have another sister um, beneath her and her and I were four years apart. And then my brother is beneath her and my brother and I are 10 years apart. Okay. And then I have a baby sister and her and I are about 15 years apart. Okay. So, yeah, she just kept having kids. So (laughs) it was just like, whatever. I reached a point where I think I realized that, like, well, I'm going to find my place outside of this house. And so (laughs) I just spent a lot of time outside of the house Mm -hmm. from, I think, age mm, 12 and older. I just remember always being out and then just coming home later in the evening. So and if my parents, if my sister's were to say anything about me in my childhood, they would say that I was not nice, um, that I was a bully, and that I didn't care about anyone but me. And is that your perspective? Yes, <laughs> it is. I mean, in the in the different way, I think that I was so focused on like trying to be grown, trying to be like an adult, establishing my own my own like sense of self, feeling like. I don't know that my family was like crowding me. I always said that I'll go off and I'll make a bunch of money. And if they need anything, I'll just send them stuff. Yeah. So that was kind of like my viewpoint. And I definitely like love them. Like, and at the time, like I'm sure I loved them, but I didn't know what that looked like to like love them with Jesus. Mm -hmm. So it's been nice just having that revealed throughout the years. Also just a lot of, healing conversations that we get to have and things that we get to talk about, memories we can recall. And just being able to apologize to them is a blessing in itself. It's not like we are holding grudges against one another after years of, um, you know, just not speaking and things like that. Mm. We typically lay things out in the open. And that's been really nice because I think that 
I don't know. It must have been. I think we're pretty powerful. Hmm. Um, like when we're together, we're definitely a force. We all look the same. We oh, all man. have the same face. Wow. So um, we are all very like talented in various ways. And we all support one another the best way we can. Um, we all have our own, I don't know, crazies about us. But we respect one another. And that's kind of, that's important. It's important to me anyway. Yeah, that that's amazing. That the change that Jesus brings, or at least it sounds like that's what you're saying, um, to your relationships. But how about I guess when you were younger, what what were your parents' jobs? <laughs> so I like to say that like my dad was like a stay at home dad. But my father my father is a musician. Okay. And so all the stereotypes about the life of a musician, that's my father. Um, except he did come home like every night, which was a blessing. So I spent most of my time like with him. It was him who would like get us up in the morning and get us ready for school and take us to school or walk us to school or whatever that looked like. He was who I saw when I came home from school, making after school snack. He was also the cook. uh, So he cooked all the meals and he's such a great cook. I miss his food like Mm. every day. (laughs) Um, And when he worked, we went with him. He okay. was the wow. minister of music at my church that I went to while growing up. And if he had a wedding to play at, we would just sit in the back. <laughs> like if he had a funeral uh, to play at, we were just at the funeral, which I remember being a child and like seeing like dead people in the coffins oh, and man. being like, who's this person? Are they <laughs> sleeping? Um, but he wow. did that and he would consider himself to be like an entrepreneur And so he's also done, like, a lot of things to make ends meet for our family um, throughout the years. Um, I remember at one point he owned a cleaning company. And so uh, he would clean. He had, like, contracts at stores like Applebee's. And he would, like, go in and um, do their restaurants. I remember he had a contract at a seafood place, uh, McCormick and Schmitz. And so... Uh, when I was younger, it was like, oh, he would come home with, like, food and stuff. Mm-hmm. Then as I got older, it was like, oh, I'm going to work with my father. <laughs> um, like, to get paid? Yeah, it was, It was. yeah, he paid us. It wasn't, like, anything fair. But <laughs> it, it was, I mean, I, I'm glad it was something. Because mm-hmm. he always would just talk about, you know, back in his day and growing up. And they would go to the blueberry field and always picking blueberries and in the hot sun And, you know, in order to make money for their family and he didn't Mm. get to see any of it. And I'm like, okay, that's cool, dad, but (laughs) you can still pay me and I appreciate you for paying me. Um, And um, other things like, I don't know, small jobs here and there, like delivering yellow pages. Um, It was just like anything random. He was just always coming home and being like, okay, guys, this is what we're doing now. Mm-hmm. So it was more exciting when I was younger. And then when I became a teenager, I was just like, <laughs> this is old. I don't want to do this anymore. Um, my mom, she has always worked. And I remember like she would get up in the morning at like 4.30 in the morning mm-hmm. to do her hair and to like get herself ready for work. She laid out our clothes in the morning. And so I would wake up, I'm a light sleeper. So I would wake up anytime she came into the room to um, take our things out. And sometimes she would say, 
okay, Shane, when you wake up, make sure you tell Nini. Nini's my sister right beneath me. Um, make, okay. make sure you tell Nini, don't forget to do this. Or when you pack lunch for Mika, Mika's the one that's four years younger. Um, she'll say, remember, she doesn't like cheese, so don't put cheese on her sandwich. And I'm like, okay, also, please go away. I'm trying to sleep. <laughs> but um, she's worked in healthcare so administrative work in healthcare and so she would leave early and she would get home like right before dinner that was like the routine I remember for a small period of time when I was I don't remember maybe like 10 or 11 she worked from home for a little bit and then she went back into the office and currently she's working from home and has been home for a few years same job no um bouncing around to different companies uh, my mom is very, very good at what she does. She is amazing. Anytime I'm being like amazing at work, I'm just like, I'm just channeling my inner <laughs> her. Uh, she is truly a beast. And the benefit or what I love about watching her at home is like, I will be sitting in and I'm watching her like uh, her like conference calls and on her Zoom meetings and mm-hmm. just really just killing it. And I'm just like, that's my mom. Yeah. Um, And I'm really grateful that she gets to be home now because although she would do great in the office, I know, and has done great in the office, she doesn't like the commute. She doesn't like traffic. (laughs) And so I'm happy that like she gets the the chance to just become one with her home. Mm -hmm. And she likes to decorate. So her home's always decorated with different things she changes it out by the seasons but it's always funny to me because they never have company but she says she does it for her so <laughs> I'm like okay I'm with it did that roll off to you you decorate for seasons no I do not I don't think it's practical honestly mm-hmm. um for but I'm a person that I don't have time to do things like that or I don't dedicate time to do things like that I'm not very artistic in that way mm-hmm. um my home is black and gray and white. <laughs> so, and I like it that way because it's calming. Grew up in a house where, like, it was pretty cluttered. Not, like, you know, messy or anything, but there were a lot of people, like, living there. But I like clean surfaces, and I don't know. It's easier for me to clean because I usually don't have much time to clean. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I don't know. I don't... I don't decorate outside of like, oh, I moved to a place and this is what it's going to look like. This looks great. It's going to stay like this. Yep. I'll just make sure there's no dust. <laughs> <laughs> and now you have a son to help you, right? <laughs> yes. Yes. Whatever that means. <laughs> I, it's funny because he's, oh, he'll be 12. He'll be 12 next month. Mm. And I'm realizing and I'm seeing him try. And I'm like, is it because you're a man? Like, is it be- is it is it like, are you just not seeing the things that I'm seeing? We can go over it so many times, but uh, it's but it's but I appreciate it. Like, he's great for if I have someone coming over and he's home and I'm not home yet, and I'll call him and I'm like, hey, Caleb, my son's name's Caleb. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, hey, Caleb, so and so's coming over. Can you like? clean up the living room, make sure you put the pillows the way I like them and, you know, make sure that um, the counters and stuff are cleaned off and put the shoe, you know, just like little things like that. He's like, okay. And I'm also make sure he like preps the bathroom in case they have to go to the bathroom. But he's done it and does it so many times now Mm -hmm. that it it comes like easy to him. Mm -hmm. And I don't expect them to do deep cleaning too much. 
Okay. What about school? I was always like really smart. I do remember that. Um, So my elementary years, I went to my neighborhood elementary school and I, I had friends. I always had friends, but I never was one to like seek out friends. They just always kind of just came to me. And so I was like, cool, guess we're friends. Um, (laughs) And I don't know, like I was, I was a little like chunky in school and I, but I was never teased or anything. Uh, I think that anytime that someone tried to tease me or say anything to me, it was very, I don't know, my friends like shut it down like immediately as in like, how dare you even begin to talk about Cheyenne? Like she's awesome. (laughs) So I just kind of was like, oh, cool. I'm glad that they said something because I don't know. I don't really know what I would say. Or like, I've never had to... I will say that I didn't have to deal with those types of feelings that much um, while growing up. And I remember like when I got into middle school, I went to a different school. Um, I went to the school, it was called Masterman. It is called Masterman. And it was a school, it is a school (laughs) where (laughs) they, they take like the top kids from all the schools in the city and they just put us all in one building. That's like Spider-Verse. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, Did you wear like a jacket? No, (laughs) no, I did not wear a jacket. We actually didn't have a uniform, which was different from all the other like public schools around. That was an interesting time. That was the first time when my grades started to drop. Did you want to go? I did not want to go. Okay. Um, I wanted to go to the school that all my friends were going to. um, But my parents said that I had to go to that school. And it was... It was difficult for me to process at the time. To this day, I'm very grateful, like beyond grateful that I went to that school for various reasons. Um, But like even like now, like the school is like it's the top 23rd public school in the country. Okay, I feel like I learned so much. My brain was challenged and so much. But also my social life was challenged a lot, too. I had like I had to branch out and make friends with a different type of crowd. Mm. You know, it wasn't just the same people in my neighborhood, people that were familiar with the things that I was familiar with. It was people coming from all different backgrounds, um, financial backgrounds, people of different ethnicities. It was so, it was just so different. Um, The first few years, it was pretty rough. Just, you know, realizing that like everyone isn't like me, Mm. learning how to like learn like different cultures and then what it looks like to respect other things and we were all kind of like figuring that out together and um, the people who I went to school with in middle school they basically for high school they took half of us so it was already a small school and then you had to reapply to go to the high school and they only admitted half so that made it even smaller friend groups were split up so my high school years it was nice there wasn't there weren't cliques Everyone was just kind of friends with everyone or had respect for everyone. Or we had all known each other since we were 10. So it was, I don't know, it wasn't, it was just, it was what it was. And although we were all, you know, in this setting, it didn't feel like we were competing against one another. Hmm. At least not when we got to that point. And when we were in middle school, that was different. It did feel more like a competition. But in high school, it was more like, well, what do you want to do with all of this stuff that we're learning? And so it was really career focused. Yes. 
uh, college focused, college. career focused. Um, it was assumed that everyone will go to college. And actually, 100% of my graduating class went to college. So, yeah, it was very, uh, it was a, a, a college prep school. We were right across the street from the community college of Philadelphia. And so we had chances to, like, take classes there um, while we were taking classes at school. All the AP classes, honors classes, it was more like, I don't, it's just us becoming into ourselves or whatever that meant, like, at that time. But, I mean, I did go through, like, the awkward years of, oh, look, I'm a teenager now. And, like, I went through that one year of, like, I don't want to eat anything because everything has carbs in it. <laughs> I remember, like, going through weird things with, like, oh, I like this boy. Does he like me? Will he like me? Um, so, yeah, and even just, like, having friends and losing friends over yeah. drama and your siblings were at different places. Did this kind of like further your separation from them? Yes. Um, in a way that I enjoyed at the time, but it also made it a little more difficult too. We actually all went to different schools, okay. like all of us. So my parents, they worked really hard to like get us into like special admit schools so that we didn't have to go to our neighborhood schools. I lived in the hood, but I didn't really know it. Okay. Like, you know, so it was, it was definitely, it was a challenge, but I think my parents really did a good job on training us and teaching us and preparing us for things. Like, um, in Philly, we don't have school buses, and so we just rode the public transportation system. Okay. And so I was riding the bus, the buses and the trains from age 10, and so were my siblings. And so you <laughs> so. and a whole lot of other kids too, right? I mean, yes. Wow. Yes, it's very, like, just normative. The bus stops are full. They have buses and trains that come, like, every eight minutes. It's the commute time, like, in the mornings. It's busy, but it's effective. Okay, here's my naive question. What was the grocery store like? So the grocery store was always crowded, um, like, the main grocery stores. But we always had corner stores. So okay. literally on, like, every other corner, there was a store. You can go in to get snacks. If you wanted snacks, they had Everything that the grocery stores had, but like, except for like the um, raw meats and things like that. But they had like canned goods. They had um, most grocery stores in the back. They had an area where they prepared hot food or cold food. And I went to the store a lot. Um, it was very regular for like, it was just a thing like, yeah. oh, like I'm going to the store. You want to come or you want something mm -hmm. or, oh, where were you? Oh, I was at the store. And I remember my mom would go grocery shopping and I hated when we had to go with her because she never bought us anything that oh. we wanted ever. <laughs> what did you want? Um, it was Lunchables, always yeah. Lunchables <laughs> and or little things like snacks for the house because my mom was very much like, oh, I have a list. So I'm going to get the things on the list. Mm -hmm. And my father, I couldn't probably count on my hand the few times that like he's done grocery shopping and it was always the best yeah <laughs> so oh i do not let ryan go to the store are you kidding me <laughs> he would get us whatever we wanted and yeah. to him it made sense he's like oh i mean you live in the house i'm buying food for the house mm. sure yeah so with ryan it's always chips like chips for days <laughs> oh my gosh anyway okay well that was fun um <laughs> let's see so what kind of house did you live in growing up when I lived in North Philly, uh, but when I was born, I lived in an apartment. It was a, like, one-bedroom apartment. 
duplex and my parents like changed one of the rooms into my bedroom. And so um, we lived there until I was about four. And then we moved into a house that my grandparents had bought for us. And it was a three bedroom, one bathroom house. And it's so small. Like we still own that house, but my parents like rent it out currently. It's so small when I go back and look at it now, but it didn't feel that way. Like when I was growing up. Yeah. And I shared a room with my two sisters that are right beneath me. We had bunk beds. And so the top bed was a twin and the bottom was a full size bed. So I slept on that bed with I slept on the top bed for a while, and then I started sleeping on the bottom bed. I think my parents said that I had gained too much weight, and I couldn't I couldn't sleep on the top bed anymore. And I was like, eh, sure, whatever. <laughs> so, um, you sound easygoing. <laughs> I, I am very easygoing. <laughs> and so um, I think by the time I was 10, I remember I went away for the weekend with my godparents. And then when I came back, my parents said they had a surprise for me and they had turned the other bedroom into a room for me. And oh, they were nice. saying that like, oh, like, you know, I'm finally old enough to have my own room. And I'm like, this is amazing. But it didn't feel like my own room because literally every night my siblings would just get in, come and get in the bed with me. I had a queen size bed, so they would just come in my room. It would start with like one coming in and then the other one would wake oh, up in the funny. middle of the night and realize that like, oh wait, I'm alone. So then she would come get in my bed. Then I would wake up and realize they were both in my bed. Then I would go get in their bed. And like, this was like an ongoing process that happened like almost every night. So then it got to the point where once my brother was here, I just moved back in with them because mm-hmm. we were always still all slept together anyway. And my brother took over my room. And it was like that until we moved into a house in North Philly, Northeast Philly. So when we moved to that house, it was such a big thing for my family because it was a five bedroom, one and a half bath house at the time. Um, They've since like upgraded it. So it's two and a half bathrooms now. And it's three stories plus a basement. And my room was on the third floor. And, like, I loved that room. Mm. Like, I was so excited to have our own space. We all were. All my siblings and I, we were excited to just finally have our own room. And I remember the first night of us staying there, we all just slept in one room still. (laughs) And it was like that for a very long time. And my parents, they're still in that house to this day. And that's the house that I go back to whenever I go home to visit. To the third floor? I do sleep on the third floor, not in my same room. Um, But the other room that was up there, they turned it into like a guest room. So I stay in there mostly. Caleb and I go back and forth because he says that it's his room because my mom said that it was his room. Gotcha. But I'm like, whatever. I don't care. If I'm here, I'm sleeping in it. So Yeah. Has the um, neighborhood changed a lot since you were a kid? Yes. I know the in North Philly, um, that neighborhood, it changed a lot. I think that was a big reason of about why we moved. I mentioned earlier that I grew up in the hood, but I didn't really you know, it was just home. And so I remember like Every day I was just outside playing double dutch, riding bikes, playing out on the street. And it was fine. Like it was a safe street. In the summer times, the street was blocked off during the days. And so it was safe to play outside. And then on Friday nights, like we would have parties outside. I don't know, just like there was like a guy who lived across the street. His name was Mr. Sun Sun. 
and he had an outlet outside. And so we would like bring our radio out and just have a party in front of his house. I don't even know why he didn't have any kids like they were like <laughs> hanging out with us, but he let us like hang out in front of his house. Um, it must be a good memory because you're smiling really big. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's a great memory. I love to dance. And it was a a time where we just got to dance and make up dances. And we didn't have a bedtime on Fridays. Mm. And then like the kids, parents, they were outside mostly too, hanging out on someone else's steps. That and fun. it was, it, it really was a good time. And then by the time I moved, I thought it would kind of be the same once I got to Northeast, but it was a little different. There were, it had, like, we still did stuff like that, but usually we would hang out on the block that was one block up from ours, so, like, the next hundred block. Um, On our block, we would hang out sometimes, but it was more, I don't know, I think, like, when I, by the time I moved there, it was just more common for people to hang up, hang mm-hmm. out on the block up the street. And it was also different because my parents were really involved in the neighborhood, in the community when I lived in North Philly. But once I got to Northeast Philly, like that involvement kind of changed. And so I think it was also like challenging for them to to find their like footing in a a neighborhood that's like already established. Whereas before they had, you know, kind of been in North Philly for many years. So So as you were getting older... Did you have a lot of freedom or was there a lot of pressure from your parents for you in the in your academic life? Um, I will say I had a lot of freedom and I did not get pressure in my academic life. So the school that I went to, my parents purposely, purposefully did not send my other siblings there or even try to apply to get them in because they felt like that school broke me. Mm-hmm. Uh, just the fact that my grades used to be all straight A's. And then it dropped. And it wasn't like I was a bad student or anything. It's more like the work was challenging and I was a heavy procrastinator. And so either I got it done or I didn't get it done. Mm -hmm. I was so consumed with so many other things that I didn't care too much about academics. I didn't like the atmosphere of all of us like seemingly like being put up against one another in the school. Uh, during my middle school years and so I found a lot of just enjoyment in the fact that like oh I am able to take public transportation I can go anywhere uh, in the city and stuff and so um, I remember no one probably bats an eye at seeing the kid on the bus right no it's very very regular like it's the only time I saw school buses were if they had the school had ordered one for us to go on a school trip and even so most of the trips we all took the public transportation Mm -hmm. so it was exciting to me when I moved here and Caleb went to school for like the first time and it was like there's a school bus coming to (laughs) like our house to pick you up like they do in the movies yeah so (laughs) um that's funny because what you're describing my mind went to the movies for your life (laughs) yeah well I can't believe that your dad didn't somehow teach y'all music or something or were you Um, involved in music in any way or other things So, yes, I was actually always involved in music. And it's it's interesting for me to say that now at this point in my life, because I also developed a lot of traumas around music. My father is a musician. His main instrument was the piano. But my father has a gift where 
he can play any instrument mm. if you just put it in his hands like he can play it and he can't read music um wow. but if he hears a song he can he can mimic it he can make up a song and so growing up my house was full of music the first instrument i learned how to play was the keyboard the piano because uh, we always had one in the house and it was always like hooked up and so we could play it whenever I remember um, when I performed in talent shows from like elementary years I wow. played the piano can you remember any songs yes I can remember silver and gold yeah um, from Rudolph like oh I don't know I don't know who they're from <laughs> There's another song that I play, but I can't remember the the title of it now. But those are the two that kind of just stuck with me. So anytime I'm near a piano, they just naturally come out. Nice. Oh, and I also sing. I've always sang on choirs, like always at church. And I remember at one point my dad played for a community center somewhere. And so we sang on that choir. I've been singing in the choir at school for like... I think since the third grade. So there was that. And then by the time I got to middle school, I started playing more instruments. Um, I learned how to play the guitar and the flute, the oboe, the clarinet. Oh, my goodness. And what was it? My favorite one was the recorder. And I know people say that's not really an instrument, but I'm like... (laughs) I can play any song on the recorder, so I feel like it counts. That's amazing. Um, and I don't know, but I played a lot of instruments, but it wasn't like I, I don't feel like I mastered like any of them. For me, it was just fun. Sure, um, yeah. And I felt good that I like learned how to read music because I was just like, well, now I'm the first one in my family to like learn how to read music. I think that my favorite instrument to play was the guitar and I really enjoy I really enjoy singing so music was very very prevalent in my home um, up until maybe I was about 10 and after that I think that my parents started to have some issues in their marriage which really altered the dynamics in my household so my father he didn't play as much um, mm-hmm. It it started from like all of us playing and singing together, um, like my mom sings. And then it went to like, oh, well, he would only play like right before rehearsal to like get ready for rehearsal. Um, and my mom would like complain about his keyboard being in the way. Like those are things that I just never thought would like happen. And then at some point, I don't, I don't even see my father's keyboard anymore. So... I'm sure he still has it, but it may, like, be in the basement somewhere. But um, I don't know. The music really turned sour to me because it was something that was very, um, like, joyful. It was a very, like, joyful part of my life. And then it became something that I just, I don't know, I didn't like. And even when I sang on the choir, my father, he, he usually was, like, the director of any choir that I did at church. And then I got to the point where, like, I didn't want to sing on the choir anymore. Specifically, I didn't want to sing on his choirs. And so that was a hard time because I remember being, I think I was 16 or 17. And my dad finally said that I didn't have to be on his choir anymore. But that meant that I would have to quit all my other choirs, too. I remember just really mulling over it for a while and then saying that, like, fine, 
I'd rather quit all the choirs than to like continue doing this. I secretly quit all the other choirs. I really stayed on them and I just didn't tell them that (laughs) I was staying and I didn't invite them to any of like our performances or shows anymore because I just, I didn't want them to know. Yeah, I, I sang, even like when I went to college, I went to Virginia State University initially and I sang for VSUGC for a few years, like while I was there. But to this day, I do not sing on a choir but it feels, I don't know, it felt nice for a while just to take a break mm-hmm. from doing that. And recently, I've actually been doing vocal lessons and vocal training. And so what? it's been pretty fun. It's a part of my, like, new, this new part of me where I'm focusing on, like, loving myself and okay. some self-care things. And just taking advantage of the fact that my son is getting older. So I don't yeah. have to, I don't know, hover over him as much as I did when he was smaller. Man, I want to talk about that, but we got to move on. That's so interesting. Um, Okay, just really quick, any other activities that we should know about that you were into when you were younger that might be just fun to share? Let's see, activities. So I was on a lot of sports teams. Oh, my goodness. How did you have time for anything? I never wanted to be home. (laughs) So I did anything I could to not be home or to give me an excuse to not be home. And if I didn't, like, play on the team, I was, like, a manager for the team where I just got to, like, go to practice or mm-hmm. carry around stuff. But it was more, like, just an opportunity to hang out with friends. Um, I was very, very, very social. I, um, what sports did I play? I ran track when I was in seventh and eighth grade. And then by the time I got to high school, I switched to shot put. And so I was the one throwing the heavy ball Mm -hmm. and track. And um, that was fun because I, you know, got to be on the track team, but I didn't have to run because running's exhausting. I don't know how y'all do that. But but it was boring because while everyone was out practicing at the field – like, we were supposed to be in the gym working out, literally getting oh. stronger. And I was like, this is boring. And so I skipped practice a lot and would just go do other things. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always had boyfriends since I was, like, I think 11 or 12. I remember the first boyfriend that I had, he had asked me out. And I was just like, you got to ask my dad, dude. <laughs> so <laughs> then, like, he ended up asking my dad. And I was like, I didn't know you were really going to do that. And so my dad said, sure. And then definitely like regretted it and then didn't let my siblings date until they were like 16 <laughs> but yeah I've all, I, I don't know I was just always around the city um I hung out in West Philly a lot um for all of you people who think about Fresh Prince um <laughs> but I hung out there a lot yeah even during my high school years I I think my 11th grade year I uh I skipped school like a bunch during my 11th grade year and I remember it being a hard year for me socially because my best friend started dating my ex. Okay. And I was just like, I'm not dealing with this. And so I just didn't <laughs> deal with it. Mm-hmm. So I hung out like outside of school a lot. I volunteered at a lot of different places. And um, even with working, I started working when I was 15 or 16. It was just like I always had something to do, something I was involved in. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I never had to be home except for when I had dishes. That was annoying. <laughs> like my mom would call and be like, when are you going to do these dishes? So 
um, I would go home to make sure I did the dishes. And it wasn't like I was out like all late and stuff. Mm -hmm. The free uh, trans passes that they gave us for the bus stopped working at seven. So I was home before seven. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So was your school non-traditional or did you have things like proms and big sports games and so we had i'm not gonna say big sports games we were a very small school but we did have prom um and social events there were a lot of clubs that i was involved in after school clubs before school clubs um i was in a lot of like book clubs and i was in like the club it was called aacc the african-american cultural committee uh, which was big because there weren't many black students at our school so we kind of like stuck together the best way we could mm-hmm. and um i remember i was in a knitting club and at school? yeah they, it was literally anything like i i was in chess club oh my gosh i forgot about that yeah i was on the chess team i was one of those people i believe you <laughs> <laughs> but yeah like i was i was like when i say i do and did i did anything like i literally did anything mm-hmm so I feel like my my childhood was very full all throughout my twenties. Everything was just very full of all like I've never. I feel like if I was to just wake up really old right now, mm-hmm. I would say that I lived. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm so curious. Did you have any mentors or people that were older that you were close to? Since it sounds like you're a little bit estranged from your parents at this time. Um. So I actually have a older cousin and I started to get closer to her when I was around 16. Um, at that time, I don't know, like she had always been around and she's she had always been deemed the like crazy one in our family, but I always thought she was so cool. Like she did whatever, whenever, and she didn't care like what anyone thought about like what she was doing. I would just go hang out with her. And when I was 16, she had moved to Florida. And so I spent a lot of time like just hearing about her life. She lived in New York for a while. So it was just a lot of phone conversations. And then I would go visit her and she would come see me whenever she was in town. Um, when I say older, I mean like older, older. So I don't remember. I don't know how many years apart we are, but let me see. Probably about 20. Okay. Eh. Maybe a little less, but um, yeah, she she's great. She taught me like how to drive. Her and I, we both became moms around the same time, and so the cousin that I talk about that my um, son is close with, like his mom, mm-hmm. like her and I are really close. I don't know. She worked in marketing and in finance, and so she was. She always was doing stuff. She always had money, and she always encouraged me to like break out of my shell. So, yeah, like I had her. Outside of that, I didn't really listen to other adults. Um, I thought I was grown. So I acted like I was grown. And my grandmother, she was like a safe place. My mom's mom, um, a safe place. But even so, when it got to the point where she tried to tell me what to do, I would just be like, yep, all right, grandma, I'm leaving now. That's kind of the vibe I was on when I was younger. What did you want to be when you grew up? Uh, so when I was a child, I remember saying that, um, I wanted to be a psychologist and then it changed. And I actually, I went to UPenn Dental School, um, a lot for, uh, internships throughout my high school years. At one point in time, I wanted to be a dentist 
I actually went to school initially, like for undergrad, to study pre-dental. I soon realized that I really don't like biology because I'm <laughs> terrible at memorizing things. And so I realized I had to change into something else. And so I changed over to psychology and I did one semester of psychology. And then I learned that in order for you to actually do anything with that degree, you would have to go get your master's. Yeah. And I was like, that's a lot. And then like I started I studied like income. So mm -hmm. like what the salary ranges were like for different fields. And so I uh realized that I didn't want to do psychology anymore. I ended up just being a mathematician. And it's weird to like say <laughs> that like oh I just did that, but yeah. um throughout all my years of school and no matter what my grades look like, I've always had straight A's in math. And when I got into college, I would take math courses just to, I don't know, because they were easy. They they made me feel good, like easy A's. And I loved like logic. Mm -hmm. So by the time I switched over to math, one, I didn't even know that was an option. I didn't know you could like get a degree in math. Yeah. Um, and so I had someone who just asked if I was interested and I changed over and I had already completed like more than half of the math curriculum. Oh, wow. Because I had taken so many AP and honors classes in high school and I was taking Calc 3 by my freshman year of college. So it was just wow. like, cool, I'll do that. And um, I stuck with it. Wow. My jaw is dropped. <laughs> <laughs> Calculus 3, you lost to me. Okay. Well, you have not touched on at all faith in your family. Is there anything you want to share about that? Yeah, sure. I grew up in the church. Um, we were in church every Sunday, like every Sunday. Um, and my parents, they have a plaque on their wall um, that says, in this house, we shall serve the Lord. And to this day, anytime I go up there and I'm like, oh, you know, I don't feel like going to church this Sunday, they point to the plaque. <laughs> and I'm like, you're saying this as if I'm not a Christian. Like I don't like have a whole like church community. I'm just here visiting. I don't want to go today. And they're like, well, you can't stay here. And so <laughs> it's, yeah, very, very churchy. My, I had a whole different like family and life and such in the church. Like I saw my church family a lot. My parents, I mentioned how, you know, my dad's a musician and my mom sings. And so there were always like multiple choirs. And so I got to hang out with my church friends on nights when my, our parents were doing rehearsals and always like, we went to Sunday school, uh, we did Bible studies, the vacation Bible schools, all that. I remember like going away to camps for, um, I don't know, Christian stuff when I was a kid, retreats and things. Yeah, I was always like familiar with the Jesus and the Bible and gathering. And I got baptized when I was nine but I did it again when I was in my 20s because I remember doing it at the age of nine. And I just did it because all my friends were doing it. I remember them quizzing me and saying that like, oh, well, why do you want to be baptized? And the right answer was like, because I want to accept Jesus Christ into my heart mm -hmm. and, you know, believe him to be the Lord and Savior. And so I just kind of like memorized that so that way I could like say it. And I remember the water being really cold them singing a bunch of songs and wearing white and me just being like today's the day where I get to have <laughs> communion with all my friends too but I didn't start to get 
serious about God until I was 17. And I was kind of like scared into it. I was at church and we were watching the Left Behind series. And it's a series that talked about a world after like the rapture had Mm -hmm. occurred where those who had believed in Christ were like taken up and then everyone else was left. And it was just... Uh, it's it's a book series. If you're interested in like reading it, you can also watch the movies. But are you recommending it? I'm not. Okay, <laughs> I am not. Um, but that like scared me. Like it was silly. I, yeah, pretty silly. <laughs> um, that because that time in my life, I don't know. I was doing a lot of things that like I had no business doing, and I remember like my relationship with God was more like, well, Lord. I'm about to sin and I just ask that you cover me while I'm about to go out and do whatever I'm about to do. Then if I made it home, I would just say, thank you, Lord, for covering me in like the end. But that made me really realize that I am getting ready to be an an adult and that it's not like I have to be serious about God if I'm going to do it. And uh, so I thought about it and I was like, I think I'm going to do it. Maybe. And then I ended up saying like, nah, none of this God stuff is real. (laughs) And so by the time I was 18 and had like left for college, I had totally like said that all the God stuff was fake. And I was living this very different life. Yeah, very different life. I, um, I went away to college. So it was my first time like being away from my family. I changed my name. I started going by my middle name of Devon, and I was gay um, a little bit. It's it's weird to, like, say it in that way, uh, but I, like, changed my sexuality, and I was just like, nope, this is what I'm doing, and I'm going to do whatever I want. Like, right away when you went away? Like, this happened pretty fast? Yeah, it was something that I kind of, like, struggled with during my teen years, Anyway, actually, most of my life, um, if I can remember correctly, mm-hmm. and not really knowing, like, what that meant or just, you know, I don't know. But I also like boys, too, so it wasn't, mm-hmm. I wasn't thinking too hard about it. And then I think in high school, I was in the Allies Club. And, yeah, I don't know. that. It's so weird to, like, to see where I am now in my life and yeah. to know that that was such a big part of like my life before yeah so but what ended up happening was I think when I was 19 I had a boyfriend in college and he was a Christian dude and he was like on fire for Christ and I was like okay cool I'm gonna pick him he seems like a viable choice you're supposed to go to college and meet your person and then you know oh it will be great but I think two weeks into us dating uh I was just like, you're waiting for marriage. Oh, I can do that. I can't do that. (laughs) And like, I ended up like cheating on him. And he found out because he said the Holy Spirit told him. And so he broke up with me. That kind of like hit me because I was like, how did he know? There was like, there was no way for him to have known. And then I started to go to church more to be like, you know, what's happening? Because I had met friends who went to church regularly and so are you in your second year of college now or still your first this is my between my first and my second I would say I'm not sure exactly like where at I do know that 
I went to church one time and I went up there for them to like pray over me. And the thing was happening where they were, you know, they had you lift up your hands and then they said, okay, y'all ready? And I was like, what? Ready for what? (laughs) And then like the preacher started like going down the, the row of people who were standing there and like touching them on their forehead and they were falling out. Mm. And I was at the end of the line. And so I was just like, okay, Cheyenne, what are you going to do? Because you're not about to fall out right now. So you can pretend and that way, you know, you don't draw attention to yourself or you can just not. And then, you know, they'll, so that way people won't think that like what they're doing is actually working. But before I knew it, like I woke up after being on the ground. So it was like, what? Uh-huh. So that experience really was like, oh, shoot, like, God, you were definitely real because what the heck? So I reached out to my old youth pastor. At this point, I was still like living in Virginia, going to Virginia State. And I reached out to my youth pastor from Philly and I asked him just like questions about things and just started talking with him more and he kept like asking me to participate in some of the things they were doing at the church for whenever I would go back home. Mm. And so I traveled back home a lot to like do that. Then eventually I moved back home to go back to the church and to like help there as much as I could. Mm. But um, yeah, as soon as I moved back, I got pregnant with Caleb. So that was a interesting time. Would you be about 20 now? Yes. Yeah. I was 20 when I met his father. Well, 19, just about to turn 20 when I met his father. Got pregnant shortly thereafter and then had Caleb while I was still 20, Mm -hmm. um, right before I turned 21. Well, you just took us into a whole other place. So then what (laughs) happened next? (laughs) So you're saying God's getting a hold of you. Was there like a big um, like pause in your life when you came back home? What happened? That is a different time. Um, I met his dad right away. I had been praying for like a godly man and I really wanted to get married and so on and so forth. And then his dad appeared and it was just like, oh, okay. And he's like saying all the stuff. So I'm like, oh, okay, great. But I learned very fast, like afterwards that He did not come from God. Mm. So I went through a lot of things like in that relationship. It was a very different time. It was it was an abusive relationship and it it really altered me a lot. And we stayed together for about two years, like just up until Caleb and I moved here. I grew closer to Christ like in that time, uh, but also was in like heavy states of confusion And I just knew that once I did have my son, that I did not want to raise him in Philly. And so I had a small support system here of like friends who, like that I met at the school. Okay. Um, And so we moved here very shortly after moving here. I think we had arrived in like July and August or August, started going to Remnant by October. So we've just been there like ever since. Wow. Well, I can't wait to hear on the next podcast who invited you for you to share that story. So what do you think? Well, there sounds like there's a lot of significant turning points in your life. Do you feel like there's one that you didn't share yet or there's one that you want to tease out more uh, that you think maybe marked you the most? Um, I know I mentioned like having struggles around my sexuality, but I also had a lot of struggles with just... um 
promiscuity. I was very, very promiscuous. It was something that I kind of just learned. And I say learned because I used it as a tool to express myself whenever I was feeling like not great feelings Mm -hmm. and then used it to express myself when I was feeling good feelings. And it just became so normal. Yeah, It totally like distorted my views of sex and what God designed sex to look like. Um, When I was eight, I saw a lot of things that I shouldn't see and things that really, I would say, kind of just robbed me of my innocence as a child. And it really messed me up a lot when it came to how I looked at the world and how I viewed myself and how I viewed God's gifts that he had given um, to people. So I think that really is something that I had to take with me or ended up taking with me into my adulthood that I really, that God really used and uses Mm -hmm. to minister to other people that I get to like share my stories with. Or it also helped me to not be judgmental. Um, I feel like I can talk to anyone about anything or anyone can share anything with me and I won't make them feel away at all because I don't know or what did Paul say that he was like the biggest sinner of them all so I kind of feel that energy and so yeah from so from childhood up into adulthood that was it was just something that I had to really deal with and I'm very grateful for being a part of the church that I'm a part of and the people who I have been able to speak with, they really, really helped change my life and to see things the way that God would see it. And so I'm excited to talk about that. So what are some things that you can look back on and thank God for that maybe you didn't have eyes to see um, when you're going through it? Um, very thankful for my parents and their marriage And I'm thankful for their consistency. Um, My mother is an amazing wife and she's very feminine. And so it was something that I didn't really like see the value in when I was younger, but now I see it as something really great and really valuable. And um, I enjoyed talking with her, learning from her, asking her different things and being able to relate to her Mm -hmm. as a fellow woman. It's really nice. And um, I'm also thankful for thankful for my son. Very thankful for him in so many ways. Uh, He is a believer. He's a Christian. And I never knew how much God would use him to change my life. Why did you name him Caleb? It was two things. Um, My dad's brother had passed away not too long before Caleb was born. And so Caleb was kind of the next child to come into the family. And Mm -hmm. so I named him after after him, my uncle Caleb. And also I love the name Caleb um, just from the scriptures. And, you know, he was referred to as like the faithful one. Mm -hmm. And I, I always felt that that was a beautiful name. And I like that uh i don't know caleb wasn't talked about too much they mainly talked about joshua a lot i really like the name caleb for like those reasons 
do you mind sharing a little more uh, before we wrap up about how God gripped your heart and when you decided, you know what, I am going to give my life to God? It was after, mainly it was after I had my son and me realizing that I have a person who is looking at me and my life. And with that reality, thinking about what I would want him to see and things that I would want him to say about me um, or what I want him to think about me. And so I felt this instant pressure to change my life. And I already was, you know, trying to figure my life out with Christ. And so I just kept on that path of just going deeper and deeper in him. And it has been, I say has been because it's ongoing, it's going to keep going. But it has been a slow but very rewarding journey. And I'm very stubborn. Oh, so (laughs) I didn't think you were going to say that. (laughs) Yeah, I'm very stubborn. And so um, God has broken me in so many different ways in different areas. And it is so beautiful. Things that I used to think was, I used to get upset with him, upset with God for um, allowing me to go through things. But now I count it all joy. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing just to be able to look back at those things in my life and just say, thank you, Lord, for keeping me. And thank you, Lord, for allowing me to feel the weight of my sins, like the sufferings and consequences. So now I'm at a stage where I like to say I'm in like full submission to God. I know that, you know, like I'm I'm never going to be perfect, but uh, I'm definitely in a different headspace where every day I'm like, all right, God, what are we doing today? What's going on? What do you want me to do? And I pause anytime I want to say no Mm. to the things that are good and I immediately repent knowing that I'm the one that's wrong instead of fighting him on it or saying things like oh he didn't really say that you're not actually telling me to do that mm-hmm. so it's nice there's a lot of freedom in submission yeah. I'm learning gotta ask you what have you done with mathematics <laughs> I have worked as an educator um, I have worked as a math editor for like textbook publishing companies. Um, I have worked with curriculum creation and development. I have worked as a data analyst, data scientist. And currently I'm teaching at the uh, Army Sustainment University down in, um, it was called Fort Lee, but it's called Fort Greg Adams now. So I teach data analytics there and I don't know. I I love it. And I'm studying to um, move into project management. And so a lot of times people think that math has a lot to do with numbers, but it's more about just having enhanced problem solving skills. So I like to think that God really blessed my brain with the ability to like tackle problems and mm-hmm a different way and so we probably don't see them as problems right <laughs> no they're definitely problems oh they're definitely problems <laughs> they're definitely okay, problems okay. but um the way my brain works I quickly jump into like solution modes and all the possible solutions and which one would be the best based off of resources available and I'm not going to go into numbers right now I'm, <laughs> I'm going to keep it about Jesus but <laughs> but 
yeah, like it's it's been a real blessing to my son and I um, just with always being able to have a way to make money. Mm-hmm. And it's like I can't even I'm just so grateful for the gift because I don't know why my brain works that way. Yeah. And so you travel out there You said to Greg Adams or where? Yes. Um, Fort Greg Adams. It's down in Petersburg. Okay. So, um, but I don't, I hate the commute because I want to be home, <laughs> but I love the commute because uh, I get to have like intentional time in the mornings. Like as I'm driving, it's about a 35, 40 minute drive. I also really love my team that mm-hmm. I work with. It's, I don't know. It's, it's great. Like, I'm never, I never have a bad day, Okay, which is Praise amazing. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. So this is your soil. Is there anything else you want to add that we didn't touch on? Um, nothing I can think of. Oh yeah. I'm supposed to say, Hey to my mom. Hey mom. <laughs> um, <laughs> nobody's done that yet. <laughs> what? They're I crazy. Uh, <laughs> yes. I want to say, Hey to my mom. And that's, that's, that's all I really want to cover in the soil section, I think. All right, Cheyenne, who would you like to uh, bring to light from our church family? Do you choose a lady, or I guess you've chosen a lady already that you've experienced Christ-like virtue from that you want to honor and pray for tonight? So, yes, I did choose someone who I wanted to honor. And at first I was like, no, I want to pick someone else because everyone's going to be like, we already know who she's going to pick. Like, I'm sure there are people who are saying that now. But I would like to honor Tiffany Gunther. Like, she's my best friend and my true sister in Christ. So Tiffany and I, we started going to the church around the same time. I think maybe, maybe within a year of one another. And I was still like, doing wild, crazy things. And at the time, she was too. She doesn't mind me saying that, I'm sure. But um, we kind of like met in that light. I just watched her like grow a lot, like actually take to heart the things that she had been being taught um, at our church and intentionally making spaces to sit under women to learn things. I watched her learn how to cook and learn how to keep a home. I watched her do what she could to stay busy so that her mind and her hands wouldn't be idle. And in her times of singleness, while she was waiting for God to give her her husband, I just saw how she how she managed her time and how she always made herself available to other people and never ever like wanted credit for it. Like I was surprised when I was listening through Um, the podcast from the other people before me. I'm like, wow, no one's like honored Tiffany. I I was sure (laughs) that by this point in time that someone else would have like picked her. So then I didn't have to, but it just goes to show like how she moves her dedication to service. It's amazing. Uh, She is up in there early every Sunday. And, you know, she'll talk to me about different things like, you know, it's hard. She wants to sleep. She has two children now at this point, And it's just like, it's a lot, but it doesn't stop her. And she finds her strength in Christ. And she always strengthens me. And she never would just go along with my um, shenanigans. That's what I call them. <laughs> um, like she would correct me um, where correction was needed. And she did it in a way that was loving and she was firm in it. While also never 
judging me for it. And she always has her home open, hosting anything whenever she can, volunteering herself. And I've enjoyed watching how God has blessed her, um, how God has answered her prayers, um, even the prayers that she prays for other people. Like if she hears about something, she writes it in her prayer journal and she addresses it and then when it's answered like she'll update her journal and she'll share it it's it's really lovely it's really lovely lovely so tonight I want to honor my best friend and sister Tiffany Gunther (sighs) thank you Lord so much for designing a world where Tiffany and I will cross paths thank you Lord for choosing her to belong to you thank you for protecting her from the enemy and his tactics to try to pull her from your will. Thank you, Father, for answering her prayers and for giving her your heart for serving. Thank you for making her courageous and bold in your name. Thank you for comforting her with your spirit in the moments that she feels tired and drained. And thank you for fostering a deep reverence for you in her, one that I have been so blessed to see and watch develop over the years. Thank you for hearing her prayers and for always answering her. Thank you for her husband and children and their home. I ask that you bless her ministry of loving on others. I ask that you bless all things and people that she touches. I ask that you grant her peace in the moments where she needs them the most. I ask that you bless her children to raise up that they may call her blessed. I ask that you quiet her anxieties and constant boasting of your goodness. I pray that she continues to have her heart be filled with you and you alone. As she ages while on this earth, may you constantly remind her of your goodness so that her soul cries amen a thousand times over when relishing in your worthiness. I ask that your word go forth through her and I pray that everyone she shares you with would be called to join our family of believers. Amen. Thank you for listening to The Whole Home Podcast a podcast that displays the unity of sisters in the local church and the way God so wonderfully gives us to each other in our uniqueness and in our sameness for His glory. The stories we share weave together as one grand testimony to the work of Christ and His faithful presence in the garden of our lives. Remember, the Master Gardener is always at work, so let's yield to Him and grow where we're planted.